Pray as we've been singing this evening that uh, you think of the banners behind, us, behind me, in front of you, that you are truly in awe of the God that we serve. And, uh, and so the passage we're going to look at tonight is not necessarily as cheery as heaven came down, but is a good dichotomy of uh, who our God is. And uh, what we just sang is what we should have in our hearts on a regular basis. Uh, but tonight we're going to be looking at Lamentations chapter 5. Lamentations chapter 5. I've entitled the sermon tonight, when, Responding When Life Stinks. And, you know, there are times in life where life just stinks. Nothing is, it's, it, you're struggling, it's, there's nothing encouraging about it. And it just seems like nothing goes right for you. Now, there are two ways that really, uh, one, our passage really doesn't deal with the one side of it, but James does, is there are times where we see life as stinking because we're going through trials and we don't like that aspect of things. That's not what this passage tonight is talking about. What we're talking about tonight is that life is stinking because of our own fault. We've caused life to stink. And if we, I'm going to go ahead and read through the passage of Scripture here in just a moment. But when we think about life stinking, the consequences of our actions. How many of you, and most of us here maybe, have probably at some point watched family funniest home videos? All of us have seen something like that. And honestly, with the onslaught of YouTube over the last 15 years, you don't even have to watch that now to go see people doing unintelligent things. There are consequences to some of those unintelligent things. Whether it be a broken bone or whatever it might be, who knows what some of the consequences of some of those videos are. But when, when we look at our life as Christians, there, is, there can be consequences that make life difficult for us because there are consequences to sin. I mean, just from a physical aspect of things and really trying to put home the idea of consequences to our actions. When I was 16, I tried dunking a basketball off of a bench. There are some serious consequences that happened from that, and I broke my left wrist as I came down and hit the gym floor. Ironically, my sisters were in the gym with me, and they said, we are going to laugh if you break something. They did not laugh. They actually screamed because when they saw my wrist sagging lower than the rest of my arm, they didn't really think that was very cool and funny. So they went and got my dad. For me, the consequence was not just the broken arm. Honestly, I thought I was, I was worried that there's blood on the gym floor. I was more concerned about the floor initially. That tells you how sports nerd I am. And I was worried about my shoes. I didn't want to go outside, so it was winter. I didn't want to ruin my basketball shoes. So this has nothing to do with the message, so I'm just going to stop right there. I always laugh when you hear preachers give illustrations and three-fourths of the story have nothing to do with the illustration or the point of the message. So I'm just going to be stopping it right there. If you want to know more of the story, you can come and ask me afterwards. But it was two weeks before our family vacation. And that's really what I was getting at. It was right before our family vacation. I couldn't, the consequences were I wasn't able to participate in some of the activities I wanted to participate in. When my family's having fun in the pool, I'm standing there with a bag over my arm doing nothing. You know, when my dad is on the golf course, I'm doing nothing. 
but using a putter on the green. You know, it, 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 there were consequences to my actions. In our spiritual lives, there are consequences. And Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, wrote uh, the book of Lamentations. And the word lament is in the word lamentations. It's, it's, uh, Jeremiah is lamenting over the state, the spiritual state of Israel, and specifically Judah, as he was a prophet to, to the southern kingdom. As we saw in the northern kingdom with Elijah, we're looking at the southern kingdom this evening as far as putting together where, where Jeremiah was. Look at verse five, chapter 5, verse 1. Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our reproach. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our houses to aliens. We have become orphans without a father. Our mothers are like widows. We have to pay for our drinking water. Our wood comes to us at a price. Our pursuers are at our necks. We are worn out. There is no rest for us. We have submitted to Egypt and Assyria to get enough bread. Our fathers sinned and are no more. It is we who have borne their iniquities. Slaves rule over us. There is no one to deliver us from their hand. We get our bread at the risk of our lives because of the sword in the wilderness. Our skin has become as hot as an oven because of the burning heat of famine. They ravished the women in Zion, the virgins in the cities of Judah. Princes were hung by their hands. Elders were not respected. Young men worked at the grinding mill, and youth stumbled under loads of wood. Elders are gone from the gate, young men from their music. The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned into mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Because of this, our heart is faint. Because of these things, our eyes are dim. Because of Mount Zion, which lies desolate, foxes prowl in it. You, O Lord, rule forever. Your throne is from generation to generation. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so long? Restore us to you, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are exceedingly angry with us. Not a real positive chapter. Not a whole lot of good things are going on. And here Jeremiah is... is Lamenting to the Lord the really this horrible situation that Israel was in. There's nothing good going on. And he's saying, he's praying, he's saying, Lord, remember. Remember what we're going through. Really, Jeremiah is, is feeling as though God is no longer there. Now we know that God is always present. But we see this from the psalmist often throughout the psalms. There are times where the psalmist literally is feeling like, basically they feel as though God is no longer present in their lives. And so we see our main truth for this evening is that we need to evaluate our lives and repent knowing God is the faithful restorer. And we'll see that from the text this evening. It is interesting in studying Lamentations, doing a quick study of it in, in studying chapter 5. It's interesting that Jeremiah in chapter 3 goes and talks about how great God's faithfulness is and yet he still has this feeling at the end of the letter. 
So we know that Jeremiah knows beyond a shadow of doubt that God is faithful. He claims it. In fact, we can even see that really in verses 19 through 22, that we see Jeremiah understands that God is faithful. He's saying, Lord, how long are you going to forget about us? He's speaking to the Lord. So the consequences of stink due to suffering. Israel was suffering because of their own actions. Have you ever felt forgotten by someone? Have you ever felt like that someone that you cared about no longer is there? Or maybe you've actually been at a point in your life, or maybe you are there where right now it doesn't seem like God is really that close to you right now. When I was, there was a time in high school where I was, I was struggling with my own salvation. And I was, I was miserable at times. And I remember my dad pulling me aside and saying, Aaron, let me ask you this. What's your devotional life like? What's your relationship with God like? Are you going to him in prayer? Are you asking what sin, unconfessed sin, is in your life right now? And I remember sitting there thinking through that, that concept, and I've never forgotten it. That oftentimes when we're struggling in life, and it seems like things just aren't making sense, sometimes it's because God hasn't walked away from us, we've walked away from Him. We've allowed sin to begin to distort our thinking See, Jeremiah felt this way about God. He felt as though God was not there. See, the sin in Israel had been so ongoing and unconfessed that it seemed in spite of God's promises that God no longer was with Judah. Their mind, their thinking had changed to where they didn't really see God for being there. They didn't see the mercy of God. They didn't see the, the faithfulness of God. Jeremiah had felt as though God had abandoned them. You know, the, the question, I mean, is this not a question that in many ways Job and his, the whole book of Job struggles with to a degree in a different, in a different way? But there is truth to the fact that our sin causes suffering in life. When you break God's law, there are consequences. Just like when you break human law, there are consequences. If you speed, you get a ticket, and you have to pay. I don't even know what, the, what it's up to. hope I never find out. <laughs> I guess I can control that, can't I? But sin, sin brings consequences, and they're never good. The writer of Hebrews even tells us that we receive discipline from the Lord when we sin. How we respond to life amid our sin matters to our relationship with God. Are you allowing unconfessed sin to go on in your life? Because it's going to cause problems. It's going to cause suffering. I mean, look at the nation of Israel, and as we read through chapter 5, you can see, you can just hear the, the agony in, in Jeremiah's voice. 
You can hear the sorrow in Jeremiah's voice. How sorrowful are you over your sin? When was the last time you can honestly say you were broken over sin in your life? Unfortunately, Israel continues in their sin. But here we do see that the the situation was because of sin in their life. Their their situation was self-inflicted. Because God promised Israel, what? If you obey me, there is going to, I'm going to reward you for obedience. Now that's not to be what some try to say is, well, if I obey God, then I get what I want. <laughs> that's not what God is saying. Israel, if you obey me, you get what you want. No, I will bless you according to my design, my purpose, my will, my design. If, you, if we were to pick apart some of the and, and kind of encapsulate some of the things that are going on in here with the nation of Israel, there's a, a sense of loneliness. When you live in your sin, you will receive a sense, you will begin to feel lonely. I've seen it as a pastor where people live in their sin and they begin to push the people that care about them away. And then they blame their circumstances on whatever they can come up with. Jeremiah is simply appealing and lamenting, wanting God to take notice of their situation. He is mourning the sad state. See, do we want God to give us the attention or are we looking for another way out of the suffering that we have inflicted through our own sin? Have we become content in our sin? Israel had been conquered many, multiple times. He even mentions, and they specifically Jeremiah mentions Egypt and Assyria here. Are you aware enough or do you even desire to be aware of where you are being attacked spiritually and how you possibly have given in? Are you even aware of the sin in your life? Because no one, I think, wants to live in a stinky home. No one wants to live around stinky people. And if that's the case, then why do we allow sin to continue in our lives? It just continues to provide more stink. No one enjoys living in loneliness and despair. No one likes to be forgotten or trodden over or treated poorly. These are all things that have happened to Israel. No one likes to be without the comforts of life. We as Christians enjoy the feeling of, do not enjoy the feeling of being forgotten by God. Judah had been deserted and betrayed by those they thought were their friends. They had made alliances with heathen nations and thought they had friends there that weren't really their friends. And in that, all those alliances, they were committing sin against God. No wonder those quote-unquote friendships fell apart. Because of sin, Judah's reputation had been dirtied. They had flaunted their sin in God's face and had not repented. And God judged them for it. 
there, are puni- there is a punishment from God for our sin, and so really the consequences of sin stink due to the loss of joy and hope. Why do the consequences of sin stink? Why does it stink to be in a situation that we've brought in? Because when we allow sin to reign in our lives, we begin to lose hope and joy. Look at verse 15. The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned into mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Verse 17, our heart is faint. Our eyes are dim. There's no joy. Sin steals your joy. Sin steals your joy. Earlier in chapter 1 of Lamentations, we see that Jerusalem admits that the circumstances they find themselves in is because God's wrath. They admit that they know they're in the circumstance they are in. If you just turn over to chapter 1 of Lamentations. They begin to, in chapter, at the beginning of chapter 1, you see that they're talking about how lonely they are. Got to write down the exact verse. But verse eight, look at verse 8. Jerusalem sinned greatly, therefore she has become an unclean thing. All who honored her despise her. Again, they're asking Lord to see them. Verse 11, he says, All her people groan, seeking bread. They have given their precious things for food to restore their lives themselves. See, O Lord, and look, for I am despised. They're calling out to the Lord again. Verse 20, you see that they're, 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 they're distressed. Their heart is overturned. Why? Because they admit they have been very rebellious. And so we see chapter 2, God's anger over Israel. And we see God's wrath. And so we see that there is an element of that we need to understand that when we sin, there is going to be consequences. And when we allow sin to rule and reign in our life, that's where the joy and hope begin to flee. They begin to flee. It's so important that we make sure that we are having a right relationship with God, that we are staying right before Him. Peter in 1 Peter calls us to be holy as God is holy. Israel had neglected that. They had neglected the command to love the Lord the God with all their heart, their soul, and their mind. Sin will steal our joy and it will steal our hope. When I was pastoring down in Illinois, there was a family member of our church who, uh, it was one of their family members, it wasn't associated with our church, but had passed away. And so I went to the funeral and I didn't do anything in the funeral, but I was there, Liz and I went. And there was a man down in the front row the entire time. And it, it saddened my heart, it broke my heart. There was a man in the front row wailing the entire service. Wailing without hope. 
See, when the unsaved see things of this, they don't understand. And, and sin causes there to be a lack of hope. Sin steals the hope. See, true hope and true joy only come from God. Sin causes people to not want to be around you. How many of you have ever had a best friend who thinks they are the best thing since sliced bread? That always talk about themselves. No one, that person doesn't have close friends. Because that person doesn't care about the people around them. Sin is so much the same way. It will isolate and bring loneliness. It causes one to lose joy and hope. Yesterday I was telling uh, the jewels about an opportunity I had to be in Suriname, South America, and they had a gutter system around the mission station, out in the jungle. And I was playing soccer with the natives, and the ball, soccer ball started going towards the gutter, and I ran full speed to keep that soccer ball out of the gutter. By the way, their gutters are not like ours. Now, their gutter was connected to a river, and, I mean, it was a large area, but, I mean, it was connected to the river, and the river had tides, actually. So the gutter system, sometimes the water was higher, and everything was, looked more like a stream, like a river. And then when it was low, it was a much thicker substance. And so I remember I did a one, I kept the soccer ball out, so I succeeded at my goal. I didn't think about keeping myself out. And I did a 180 into it. I started laughing and then I smelled what I was sitting in. And I get out and my sisters are laughing at me. The natives are laughing at me. My mom comes out and says, the missionary's wife is about to give me a bar of soap to go rinse off in the river. That tells you how dirty I was. Because the natives use the river for everything. The missionary is about to give me this bar of soap and my mom's like, just a minute, let me go get my camera. Why do I use... And, and, and that smell of Suriname, not the specific smell that I smelled that day, but I smelled Suriname for the next year on those clothes. Now why do I use that illustration? Sin stinks. Sin sticks around. Unless God... We give that to the Lord. We need to allow ourselves to see really what, what Jeremiah is praying here. He's praying for God's mercy. He's praying for God's mercy. See, what circumstances or situations do you find your life today due to unconfessed sin? Is there unconfessed sin in your life? James 1, 14 through 15 says, But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is accomplished, brings forth death. Is there a relationship of yours that has been damaged due to sin? Is your relationship with God himself, is it, just, is it really just between you and him? Maybe no one else knows what's going on in your life. 
See, we need to be daily evaluating our lives and asking God to forgive us for sin. This is what Jeremiah is doing because he comes to verse 19 and he says, you, O Lord, rule forever. It's, it's neat in this lament that the first thing he does, he doesn't ask for, for restoration first. The first thing he does is admit, acknowledge who the one true God is and who God is and praises God. Folks, we serve an amazing, awesome God. And what we see from Jeremiah here is that the consequences of sin no longer have to stink due to God's faithful restoration. We see Jeremiah in chapter, Lamentations chapter 3, a very familiar verse that we, a hymn was written after Verse 22. Well, let's just start at verse 19. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Jeremiah understood and knew that God's faithfulness was great. I didn't mention how God, what God called Jeremiah to do and how God told Jeremiah's mission. And if you're in Andy's class, I'm sure he covered this really well in his Sunday school class. But Jeremiah, when he was commissioned by God to go and, and to preach, God told him, I'm so glad God didn't call Pastor Dwight and I to the church here and let us know that no one's ever going to repent of their sin. It would be a really depressing ministry. But that's what he did with Jeremiah. He said, Jeremiah, you are going to go and preach to these people and they aren't going to repent. They're going to hate you. They're going to rebel against what you are preaching on my behalf. They're going to throw you in a pit. If, that was, if I was looking for a ministry that is not the ministry I would sign up for, humanly speaking, I wouldn't. But that's the ministry. And, and so as Jeremiah is, is writing this, these laments and he's saying, great is God's faithfulness. Even in spite of how wicked Israel had been living, he comes to the end of this, this last lament which is a little bit different than the rest of the others. This one actually is not an acrostic at all. It's the same number of numbers, you know, 22 of the Hebrew alphabet and things like that, but it's not alliterated like the rest of the, of the, of the laments. And it's interesting that he, it seems as though he's just saying, God, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Why do you forget us? Have you ever felt like when you, have you ever prayed like that? We're like, Lord, it just seems like you're not there. Where are you? I need you. I get it. I've, I've sinned against you. You are on the throne for all eternity. He acknowledges here God's supremacy and his eternality. 
We serve a God that is eternal. He is supreme. And he acknowledges that about God. And then he gets to verse 21. Restore us to you, O Lord, that we may be restored. We need to be praying every day, God, restore us. God, restore us. You know, we have special meetings coming up and with Ben Everson. And, I, and it's neat, the word that he uses there is the idea of refresh. We need God to do something special in our lives. In order for God to do something special in our lives, God is telling us we need to get sin out of our lives. Peter and 2 Peter, what has been called by some the essential virtues that are necessary for our lives in chapter 1, if we aren't living in that righteous way, the, the, chapter 1 tells us that it is, we're fruitless. We need to be right with God. We need to have a right relationship with God. One commentator put it this way. He said, The answer was that it was not God's fault that they were in the situation they were in, but rather it was that, that of the people. See, hope is present, but only when it is realized that hope rests in knowing who God is. God is love, we see in 1 John 4.16. Jeremiah himself says that his compassions are new every day. Do you know that God loves you and it's not based on any merit of your own? Bad or good. God loves you. Period. See, hope is in acknowledging, the commentary goes on and says, hope is in in acknowledging in that despair that God is good to those whose hope is in him and wait for the salvation of the Lord. Chapter 3, verses 25 and 26 of Lamentations. The prayer of anyone suffering in any capacity should be that of restore us to yourself, O Lord. Our way out of the sinful circumstances we often find ourselves in is God. We need to have a right relationship with God. We need to daily be evaluating our lives. And as as God, through the Spirit of God, shows us where sin is in our life, we need to make it right with God. Don't let it fester. Don't let it fester. Because we have a faithful restore. God will restore us. So what about you? Are the circumstances and situations you find yourself in of your own doing? Is it rough for you at work right now because you had a wrong response to your boss? Is it rough right now in your relationship with a husband or a wife because you've had a wrong response at home? Parents, are you struggling with your children because you've had a wrong response with your children? 
Church member, is there something that you're at odds with another person? And whether it's, it seems trite or a bigger thing, whatever it is, we cannot be at odds with one another. We cannot allow sin to fester. We need to be crying unto the Lord, saying, Lord, revive us, restore us. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Lord, I pray that we would have the outlook of Jeremiah here, that we would be looking to you, and that we would not allow ourselves to just continue to be discouraged in, in circumstances that we brought on our lives because of sin but that we would see that the hope and the joy that comes in life comes from having a right relationship with you. That if there's sin in our lives, if we are at odds with others, that you, Lord, would show that to us, that we'd re- you would restore our relationships. You would restore our relationship with you. And so we thank you and we praise you for who you are, and it is in your name we pray. Amen.